It's time for another episode of Mainly Modifieds, where ground pounders and northeast speed freaks come to get their radio fix on. Let's join the Race Chaser Media crew in the studio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Mainly Modifieds, the podcast where we talk about, well, mainly modifieds but we cover everything else in the way of new england motorsports or we try to as much as possible anyway my name is tom baker from race chaser media happy to be with you for another week and we've got uh, our partner kyle Souza going to be joining us here in just a little while we're going to start the show with uh, an interview that kyle was able to pick up over the weekend with Teddy Hodgson and Teddy is a young driver that I've been watching since Legends Cars and Teddy and his dad super nice people it was obvious that uh, even in Legends that Teddy had the talent to be able to succeed uh, and he has proven that at the SK Light level moving up to the SK division for this year and so we're going to uh have some time with Teddy, and then Kyle and I will come back and we'll talk a little bit uh, about the interview and the latest that we know in terms of scheduling and updates and uh, also going to cover all of the uh, various track-related sim racing that's been going on in New- the New England area as well. So um, looking forward to doing the show and uh glad to have you with us for another week we surely do appreciate that we're going to step aside for a moment when we come back we're going to hear from kyle and teddy and then i will be back with kyle to uh have some further conversation so stick around mainly modifieds gets underway right after this is your job sucking the life out of you wake up you can do something else information technology i know what you're thinking but i'm not a math or science person no excuses no problem it's not rocket science it's my computer career helping people start an it career is their thing if you don't absolutely love what you do go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today you can start your new life as an information technology professional in as little as four months attend classes on campus or live online just two or three times a week to get what you'll need to start your new career more than just a school, My Computer Career helps you get into the industry by working with hundreds of employers that hire their students. My Computer Career is nationally accredited and financial aid is available for those who qualify, including the GI Bill. Classes start soon, so go take the career evaluation now at mycomputercareer.edu. Mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. Everyone knows Strutmasters is the suspension experts for luxury vehicles, and now we offer motorcycle products. Introducing Easy Rider, complete motorcycle air suspension brought to you by Strutmasters.com. You can raise and lower your bike with the flip of a switch. Take those long rides with the ultimate comfort of Easy Rider air shocks. They're backed by Strutmasters, and you won't believe the low price. Check out Easy Rider, motorcycle air suspension at Strutmasters.com. Welcome back to Mainly Modifieds. Catching up with Ted Hogton, driver of the number 55 modified at the Stafford Motor Speedway, who lately, uh, like many of us, hasn't been able to get to the track up here yet in New England this season uh, with the COVID crisis going on. But last year, some success, and then he's had success all throughout his career. Ted, first, want to thank you for joining us. And also, want to talk about your career at Stafford. I mean, you've been racing there for a long time, whether it was back in the carts to the legend cars and now to the SK Light Modifieds. And now for 2020, 20, hopefully in 2020 to the SK modified. I mean, just talk me through what that's been like to grow up at the track in a historic track like it is owned by the Roots for so many years. Yeah, it's been pretty surreal. You know, me, just a naive seven-year-old, wanting to go fast, um, driving a go-kart for six years, you know, moving through the ranks, then getting to the legend car. And it was perfect timing, too, because they just brought back the legend cars for the mini mile the same year that I started the legends. So we did that for a couple of years. And then in, uh, in 2018, we had the opportunity to go to SK Light. For, so I ran 
uh, Stafford for 10 years, but never on the big track. It was always on the mini mile. So in my 10th year of racing, I finally got on the big track, which is really cool. And then obviously last year, 2019, won the championship in the lights, which is really awesome. And so for this year, we're making a step up. Hopefully, like you said, this year in 2020, but uh, next time we're on track, we'll be in the SK Modified. Yeah, we hope that's coming up soon. Um, so take me back. You run the carts, then you get to the Legend cars. And the Legend, the INX Legends are a division that runs up here in New England, runs down south, runs in the Midwest. I mean, they really run all over the country. You had success there. You came out of the carts where you had success there. You jump into the Legend cars. You run three or four years there. And you really had a lot of success uh, in a short period of time. I mean, 2017, winning the Semi-Pro World Championship. What's so difficult about those cars to drive? I mean, they look like they're out of control for every single lap. Well, a lot of people can attest to this. I think they're the best stepping stone up from go-karts to a full-size car. They have super short wheelbase, not a lot of weight. They're only weighing 1,300 pounds. they got 150 horsepower. So they are very sketchy to drive. you got to be really careful with your throttle control. Um, a lot of guys that can do good in legend cars can do good in pretty much anything else because they know how to control something at such a young age. So, like you said, we won the 2017 uh, World Road Course Championship, and uh, yeah, they pretty much run all over the place. Northeast, you got the southeast corner, you got a bunch of guys in the Midwest doing dirt. Uh, a bunch of countries overseas, uh, Italy, uh, England, Russia, they have... Uh, Japan just got a shipment a couple years ago. They have a ton of places all over the world. South Africa. Just legend cars are all over the place, and they're super fun to drive. Relatively cheap for what they're uh, what they're producing, and it's, it's very good racing. So, um, yeah, we did our first three years legend cars from 2014-2016. We did mostly oval stuff. We dabbled in uh, road course in 2016, and then once Stafford's program for legend cars got taken away, and then the whole Waterford uh, thing happened, we kind of mainly put our focus on the Thompson Road Course and uh, New Hampshire. And they had the uh, World Finals race for the road course, of course, in uh, Finland. So we had to go over there and race in the World Finals race. And we ended up securing the championship over there, which was insanely cool and uh, an unbelievable race and uh, journey to go over there. So if you haven't figured it out uh, in the first couple minutes of our interview here as part of the podcast, Teddy's done a lot of different stuff in a lot of different places. Um, and for 2020, that move to the SK Modifieds uh, to run in a tight rookie class. We'll get there in a second. Let's talk about last year. Uh, you kind of came onto the scene in the SK Light Modifieds having a, a really stout year against some really stout competition. Uh, you win your first SK Light feature towards the end of 2018. Then you come out in 2019. What was the difference that got you to win so many? many races and be so far ahead in that championship uh at the end not too too far but far enough that you're able to call yourself a stafford champion well obviously uh 2018 i had to learn the car i've never been in a really full-size car before the big 15 inch tire you know uh going on a track that i've never ran before uh, the Stafford big mile, a uh, half mile. So, uh, obviously, there's a lot of challenges thrown in my way. So, like, the first half year before I really started getting on the podium was kind of just, like, me learning the car, how to race against people, how to how to master my racecraft in the light. So, that challenge was out of the way coming into this year because I already knew the car. I already got a feature win. I got a bunch of podiums at the end of 2018. So, we kind of just put our mind forward for wins at the beginning of the season, just go out there just get into the winner's circle and uh came up short a couple times in the beginning but then we finally got it on uh may 31st or something like that and then we just kept clicking them off from there and ended up being the champion in the last race winning the last two races of the season which really helps um so yeah we had a really great year a couple downs but mostly ups and it was solid solid year surreal to win a championship at stafford i'm sure adding your name to a list of guys there that goes way back and i know not in the sk but still being a stafford champion in general is going to be so awesome for you yeah of course there's tons of guys that run all over um in history at stafford and for me to put my list as uh one of the champions there is pretty unbelievable um i know it's kind of a you know an escalate version it's not the main usk modifies but just to have my name on the list is pretty still surreal and it's um just can't wait for the journey going next season so that journey is going to take you uh to stafford's top division a division that you know you'll, you'll be the first to admit it's not easy uh we talked to ronnie williams on our last episode who's won two straight championships which is almost 
almost unheard of, uh, and nobody's won three. He's going to attest to trying to do that in 2020. But what's that move going to be like? Are you? Do you feel like there's going to be a learning curve? Are there things that you're preparing for that you wouldn't normally prepare for going into 2020? Well, I think it's. I think I'm going to take the same approach as I did to the light in 2018. I'm just going to shoot for just learning the car again, learning who I'm going to race against. You see how many people are in the lights that can that can win on a weekly basis. Now you got to pretty much double it because there's that much competition in the SK Modifieds. So we really have to put our heads down and just focus as much as we can and just get better after each race and just keep clicking away at those at those you know bottom of the top tens you know those outside uh finishes just to try and get better towards the end of the season and if we get a win that'd be awesome but i'm just shooting for learning this year i know there's so much competition at stafford it's, it's one of the best divisions in the country for short track racing so if we could click a win off there that would be unreal so you ran at the mini mile uh for so many years i'm sure you watched sk races you watched ted christopher you watched keith rocco obviously with tc passing uh you're not going to get to compete with him on the track but guys like rocco guys like glenn reen a guy like ronnie williams that followed a, a somewhat similar path to you coming up through the ranks before he got to the SK Modifieds. Is that something that you even have more appreciation for, knowing the caliber of drivers that you're going to race against weekly? Oh, 100%. I mean, all those guys that you just named off are just unbelievable racers, and I've looked up to them ever since I started going to the racetrack and knowing their names, going to the pit parties and stuff. So to uh, especially call Keith my uh, my teammate and my, my setup guy, he's, he's been amazing through the lights and coming up or uh, teaming up with him again this year so just to, especially calling on my teammate and then Glenn Reed and Ronnie just race against them it's it's pretty unreal to uh, see where my career has come do you feel I, I want to say safe but maybe safe is not the right word well let's try it do you feel safer um, knowing that Keith is there to support you setting your car I mean and that that's a guy that obviously has got a top five setup in the division every week so he's going to give you a piece of equipment that you know can go out there and get the job done um yeah, I, I think so. I think I know that he will give me the best uh, best of the best, as we've seen. He's had multiple wins pretty much every year. He's running the SKs, multiple championships. So knowing he's got the expertise to help me set up my car is great. He's got a full-fledged field of other cars that race up front every week. You know, Andrew Moore's coming in this week, Marcello Rufano, uh, Michael Jervis, Corey DiMatteo. All those guys run up front pretty much every week. So knowing that the same equipment's going to come over to my hands is, is a good feeling and also himself so so the chassis dynamic uh to troyer switch is that as big as it sounds i mean for some race fans they may think wow he's jumping chassis that that's a big adjustment but from a driving perspective do you think it is such a huge jump to, to jump chassis like that well i'm not i'm never gonna find out what a well for right now i'm never gonna find out what a cd car is gonna do in an sk motor versus what a troyer car is gonna do in an sk motor so for right now it's it's going to be different because of the, the motor jump, really. But um, if I were to compare, they probably would have some differences. I mean, I drove an SK with a Troyer at Thompson uh, back in June. So um, to feel that difference versus the light, obviously, is different. But I never really know what the difference is. I mean, a lot of the front-running guys run Troyers, and some people are starting to run LFRs now. So, um you know, I think, I think that was a worthwhile investment. I think that's going to help us more in the long run than uh, running a CD car. I mean, the CD car was great in the lights. A lot of front-running guys were running CDs there, too. You didn't have to have the full-fledged Troyer. But I think with, with the SKs and the adjustable shocks and all that, I think the Troyer was the worthwhile investment. So you jumped to the Troyer, you jumped to the SK Modifieds, and, and the biggest thing, obviously, your expectations going into the year, you just talked about. But the rookie class, uh, and that seems to me like that would be one of your top expectations, to go out there and contend with Narducci, um, you know, Mikey Flynn, guys like that to, to win that SK Light, uh, SK Light, the SK Rookie of the Year uh, in 2020. Is that kind of the overall goal? I know you want to win races. You, you want to be there for the championship but that rookie of the year seems like that would be paramount yeah we've been racing against those two guys specifically uh brian mikey throughout my whole legend car uh sk light cart career so we've been we've been uh rubbing rails and racing together for uh as long as i can remember so to uh 
come up with me through the SK, uh, through the lights, the legend cards, the e-cards, and the into the modifieds is, is pretty cool. And hopefully we'll be the one on top. But obviously, who knows what it's going to be like when we go back racing again. So we're, we're just going to go out there and just focus on ourselves. And if it comes down to when we get the rookie of the year, that's awesome. So before we talk about uh, iRacing, which has become a, a hot, hot topic on this podcast because there's really no real racing going on, um, let's talk about Thompson. I know you went over there last year. Uh, and you had some success winning there in August. Uh, and I remember that victory lane, very emotional, very ecstatic climbing out. What was it like to win there in that car? Another historic track that really, if you ask somebody across the country about Thompson, they're going to know what Thompson is because it's so historic. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, I, I That was my first race in the lights, um, Icebreaker of 2018. And we sat it on the pole, which was very shocking to me, you know. Uh, in the first, in my first ever qualifying session in the light, we started on the pole and you know finished third, which was pretty, which was really exciting for me. And then we kept clicking away at those like top threes. We're always super fast, but we can never get those wins. Um, they have, they have that uh, motor rule where you can get a weight break, and that's what everybody was trying to kind of maybe get a different motor to exploit that. And we just, we just couldn't afford an extra motor to run at Thompson, so we always had the extra hundred pounds, which may or may not have you know, got the advantage or disadvantage to me. So um, when we finally got that victory in August, it was, it was pretty surreal to see that we could finally get up on the top step of the podium there. Um, you know, I was fighting a loose race car all day, and towards the end of the run there, it was starting to get really, really loose. And so once once we were able to cross the checkered flag first, it was it was pretty awesome. So a surreal moment uh, for you there. And another surreal moment, I guess, in a, a really different landscape and a different uh, view of things lately, was iRacing. Um, a couple weeks ago, able to take down the win there and that Stafford kind of their opener for iRacing. I mean, what was that like? Does that kind of rank somewhere for you? Is that high up there as one of your biggest, quote-unquote, wins uh, that you've had in your career? Because it's kind of a big deal that Stafford hops on iRacing and you're able to go out there right away and beat a competition level that's pretty dang stout out there as well. Yeah, you got uh, guys from every single division at Stafford uh, competing on one you know, one track, all fixed setup, all the same setup. So it's really just how you drive the car, how the driver uh, is able to beat everyone else. And we were able to come out on top. I've uh, been setting fast qualifying times when he raced on the pole, led pretty much three quarters of the race and won the thing. So it was it was awesome to see. Um, really good to gauge on who was really like the fastest in the same equipment. You know, I know, I know it's not. Some people are more tech savvy and they have more time to spend on iRacing and whatever. But um, just to come out on top was really really awesome. Um, definitely, definitely a good moment in my career. I wouldn't say you know the best, but just just to have some practice against the guys that I've been racing against this year, and just everyone in general is it's nice to see that everyone can come together, not in real life, but just on the virtual scale and just have have some fun. So Stafford puts that on. We've seen some, you know, Seacock's done it lately. Some other tracks have been doing it. I mean, I, how exciting is that to have something, I guess, to do? Uh, and I'm sure you've got things to do around the house, you know, but in quarantine, uh, like we all are, it's going to be really exciting to know on a Friday that you're still going racing, albeit in a different circumstance. You've still got something to look forward to as far as driving some type of car. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um, like I said, just everyone getting together, having some fun, going racing on a Friday night. What could be better, you know? Um, yeah, I still, sometimes, you know, after winning that race, I'm like, wow, I can actually do this. And you can, and thankfully Stafford's put on more races because they've been, they've all been a blast so far. Um, racing against everybody and, you know, just getting the nervous jitters before the race, just going through the motions, et cetera, doing the practice runs, doing qualifying e races and trying to scrap in for positions. It's all, it's all very cool. And, um, you know, it just feels like a regular Friday night, pretty much just on your computer instead of in, in the seat. So. Are, are there any similarities to how the track drives on iRacing versus how they drive in real life? I mean, that's the, the popular question across all of motorsports right now. We've seen a lot of these virtual races. Some guys say the tracks drive similar. Others say you can't compare it. I mean, what is your opinion on how, how Stafford on iRacing drives compared to how it is in the real seat? I've said this to pretty much everybody who's asked me this question. iRacing is the closest thing you can get to real life pretty much uh, for a consumer-based like based product. It's it's amazing what uh, uh, iRacing, 
everything in their company can do to simulate what it would feel like in real life. I pretty much, if I wanted to, I could sit down there for hours and test setups and different different shots and screen packages and run heights to see what it would feel like in a racetrack. And I guarantee you 95% of that will translate into real life. So it's, it's, it's pretty pretty awesome to see you know your 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 corner entry and then seeing how it slides up or breaks loose coming out the corner how much speed you carry through a corner and just you can do that for hours and hours upon end and gather all this data and know that you can pretty much translate that to real life if you wanted to so big difference there you go there's one opinion of it um and that's a popular opinion among even guys all the way up to the cup level uh recently with these virtual races so virtual racing going to continue uh at least for another month or so hopefully not any more than that uh, as we get set for 2020 hopefully going to be getting back to the track soon where do you see your future going i mean you're going to run the sks full-time this year do you see yourself running a couple shows at thompson and then eventually what is teddy's goal do you want to run modified tour races do you anticipate open 80s coming up at Stafford for you what is kind of your future map uh looking like in your head yeah so right now we're just focused on Stafford um just just for the the rookie of the year campaign um I'd love to run a couple uh Thompson shows I know they they got a shortened schedule so we'll try and hit a couple of those if we can but right now just focused on just focused on the uh the SK deal um Probably going to do the same thing in the next year. Maybe um, try and get a couple open shows. I'd love to do some of those. Really, really anything modified related. I, I, I've loved those cars ever since I got in the light. And um, so for the future, I'm just... I'm just kind of full modified right now. Um, I have really no plans for anything else right now, and just um, just love the SK deal, love the light deal. So I'm just going to continue forward with that for now. Is there a NASCAR Wheel of Modified Tour thought in your head that maybe three, four, five years down the line, is that kind of where you want to become? Is that the top ladder, or are you comfortable with the SKs and that kind of being your your weekly style of racing? I, if, if I ever got the opportunity to go into a modified tour car, I would absolutely jump on it 100%. That, those cars, those, that's that's the top step of the uh, of the run there for the modified. So to, to be in the oldest uh, division of NASCAR racing against all the top machine guys with Kobe and Pit Cat and Bonsignor, uh, Ron Silk, all those guys. That would be just a, a dream come true to do that. I know it's not in my immediate future, but if I ever get a chance to, like you said, three or four years down the line, it would be, I, I would definitely jump on it. Well, he's going to be a very busy guy in 2020. If you haven't figured it out, he's been a very busy guy uh, since the early 2010s competing. Teddy, want to thank you for taking a good chunk of time with us. Always a pleasure to talk, and hopefully we'll be seeing you at the racetrack uh, sometime before long. I hope so, Kyle. Thank you very much. Welcome back to Mainly Modifieds as we continue with the program. A really interesting interview with Teddy Hodgden. And Kyle, you know, Teddy, I think, represents so well a generation of young talent that's coming up through the SK light and SK ranks that really uh, is a part of the future of modified racing in the Northeast. And you know, just a super nice kid and obviously already a champion at the light level. Um, I think this kid's got a chance to really make an impact in a very competitive SK uh, series this year. And eventually, uh, if the right breaks come along, he he will make an impact at the modified level as well. Yeah, and Teddy, that interview was pretty candid. Um, and I've talked to Teddy a lot over the years, just getting to know him, uh, you know, speaking to him in passing at the racetrack, speaking to him on the phone, uh, a good a good chance for us to catch up with him, hear what he's got planned for 2020, but also talk about the staple, really, that he's been uh, in, in racing uh, on a, a weekly basis, basically since 2012 or so, maybe 2013. I mean, starting in the carts at Stafford on that mini mile, going to the legend cars, jumping up to the full-size uh, half mile, over the last couple of years with that SK light and now planning to go SK racing in 2020. And you heard from him. He's raced overseas and had success. He's raced in the, uh, this part of the country and had success and he's gone elsewhere uh, and had success. So the, the youth is strong. Uh, and I think it's a major point for us to consider for the future with that youth movement. We've seen guys like Chase Dowling on the tour uh, come onto the scene and really be successful. And even though there's guys like Doug Kobe, Justin Bonsignor, 
Ron Silk that are veterans, I think the youth movement uh, could really spell what the future is going to look like. Well, and obviously you need that. If you're going to be successful at any level as a touring series, you've got to have, you know, obviously drivers aren't going to be around forever, so you've got to have that sort of churning youth um, you know, uplift into your series. And, and it's, I think I talked a little bit about this on last week's show. It's pretty incredible how the SK program, the SK division over the years that it's been in existence has just fallen beautifully and been managed beautifully into that stepladder system where you can go from SK Lite to SK. And again, if you have the resources into the modified ranks and you've got plenty of young talent on the tour, we see them. You see it in the other series. Uh, you've got drivers like Jacob Perry, for example, that, you know, you've got Chase Dowling. I mean, there's just all kinds of, of, of young racers. And, and now, you know, you can, you can add Teddy Hodgson to that group. It's, it's pretty amazing how well that's worked and what a blessing that has been to, um, to the modified ranks up there in constantly being able to sort of refill that pipeline when it needs to be and make sure that the fields stay fairly full across uh, a number of different modified tours and, and series there. Yeah, and that's really the, the path that we're going on. Uh, and that starts... Strictly because, you know, Teddy mentioned how strong the Inex Legend cars are, and that's something, uh, a division that runs up here in New England, down yep. there where you are in North Carolina. Worldwide. Uh, and really, right, and really all across the country. Yep. Um, and those Legend cars are uh, what Teddy said, a great stepping stone and probably the, the best car you could drive before you get yourself into a modified strictly drive. And they build uh, a lot of character for a race car driver. They build a lot of throttle control, when and when not to use the brake, and just simple uh, racing etiquette that you need comes out of that division, and we're seeing more and more uh, guys starting those legend cars and then end up jumping, uh, in most cases, right from a legend car to a super late model or a late model or a late model stock, uh, and they're having success with it. Uh, so, again, really great to catch up with Ted. I yeah. uh, hope you enjoyed that interview. It's really a, a young upcoming talent, uh, and we've seen him have so much success at Stafford. He mentioned that SK Modified Division for 2020 where he's going to be chasing – uh, the Rookie of the Year Award. He's got a tough uh, list of drivers going to be chasing that Rookie of the Year Award with him. Brian Narducci, who's won the last two NASCAR Division Three National Championships, uh, is moving up to the SKs in yep. 2020. And Mikey Flynn, uh, who's had some success in the lights, is going to take his step up. And, Tom, this division really, in my opinion, is stacking up even more now. I've said this for a long time. This is the best weekly racing division in the country. All across from California to Maine to Florida to Texas, this has the most talent and really essentially puts on probably the best show we see all across the country on a weekly basis. See, I would agree with you on that, not even being able to see a lot of the races, but just knowing how competitive it is. And, you know, it's a modified, first of all. And, you know, I I would totally agree that that's as stacked as any division in the entire country and really would stack up very well as a main division anywhere else you know it's it's uh it's an like i said it's been an amazing thing to watch honestly how that's um how that's grown and developed over the years and the mix of youth and and veteran right now is just fantastic and the quality of the young talent just gets better and better every year it's not even just the quantity but the actual quality of the talent that's that's coming from light into SK and into um you know up into the modifieds that to me gets better all the time so that's uh you know that's that's that bodes well for that division for this year and especially you know Stafford uh and and also it bodes well hopefully for the modified division in the future because that's where obviously the next generation of of Doug Kobe's are going to be coming from uh I would think are the SK and SK lights yeah, and it brings up a whole uh, another discussion about where these guys came from that run on the modified tour right now. Most of them came from weekly short track racing. Some of them at Stafford, yep. some of them at Riverhead, some of them not even in modified. Doug Kobe, uh, for one, started in the pro stocks and had success at Stafford. But these guys that are running up front on the modified tour specifically have plenty of experience in weekly NASCAR short track yep. racing. Uh, and that's why they plug this grassroots campaign uh, for guys that start at the grassroots level in the SK, in the late model, and end up all the way up in the 
you know, the Xfinity, the truck, and hopefully the Cup Series. We've seen Ryan Priest do it, a guy that started at Stafford, ran some at Riverhead, back to Stafford, and then moved up and eventually got his shot uh, and now has a shot full-time in the Cup Series. So, again, that youth movement, Teddy's part of it. Uh, there's a lot more guys in that youth movement, not only at Stafford, places like Seekonk, places like Thompson, up in New Hampshire like Monadnock, Lee. There's a youth movement of drivers uh, all across the country, Tom, up down, up here, down there. Yep. Uh, and they're really the future of racing. Uh, looking forward to seeing uh, where they end up going and how they take things in the future, uh, Teddy being one of them, and then the Modified Tour, of course, with guys like Chase Dowling, as I mentioned, jumping up, guys like Blake Barney, really making themselves uh, known over the last couple of years in the Modified Tour and no becoming doubt. a threat uh, to go to victory lane. So looking forward to seeing uh, how that plays out. Uh, over the next couple of years and hopefully uh, the next couple of weeks slash months, maybe once we get back to racing. <laughs> yeah, let's hope. I mean, it's, uh, I think everybody's just getting jumpy now to, to get out and go racing. And while we've not been racing, we have been sim racing or I racing. Uh, and again, Stafford and Seekonk both uh, having some fun with that. Uh, let's switch gears and talk about uh, how that kind of unfolded over the last week or so let's start with Stafford. yeah and i talked to teddy uh you heard in the interview kind of said to him hey you know i racing's been the topic of our podcast here over the last couple of weeks strictly because there's no other racing um going on and he was good with it uh and you heard him say how realistic he feels like it is compared to real life sk racing uh at stafford and you know the sk on i racing similar uh in a way uh, not similar in another way because you don't have and we've mentioned this before you don't have that bouncing of the, the sure. car you don't yeah. feel the g-forces uh but teddy mentioned how uh close he felt it was uh to the real life race car and how the the throttle points the braking points the lifting sure. points were pretty similar uh so this past friday night stafford running another of their iRacing events they're broadcasting them on their youtube channel and if you have not seen them uh take a chance to go back and check out their youtube channel uh and check out race one before you watch race two they've got a sponsor uh, for this E-Series, the All-Phases Hardscapes and Renovations E-Series at Stafford Motor Speedway. They've got a purse up for grabs, $150 to win, $75 per second, uh, and $25 per third. Tom, before we even talk about what happened and how the results came out uh, from this past Friday night show, how great is that that they've got a sponsor now that's going to be promoting, uh, first of all, promoting their own company, uh, as the sponsor of this E-Series, but also giving back to the drivers uh, to give them an opportunity to win a little bit of cash on a Friday night. Oh, I think it's great. I think it's uh, equally great and slightly entertaining that they actually managed to one-up the Indianapolis Motor Speedway's Brickyard Race for maybe the longest sponsor name in the history of our sport. Uh, but <laughs> it's, it's great to see that uh, some of these series are getting that sponsorship and you know, again, it's a that's where the fans are right now. So it's a great way to get some exposure at a much more affordable level while you're unable to get that same exposure at the racetrack because, well, nobody's there right now. Yeah, and that's definitely what they're uh, aiming for. Again, that purse, hundred dollars, hundred fifty dollars to win, seventy five per second, twenty five per third. Uh, a great opportunity for the drivers to try to make a little bit extra cash. They do charge a small entry fee uh, to get in the race, 10 or 15 bucks, but reasonable. Uh, and that, the way I look at it, you'd be paying 40 or 50 to get in the pit area for a I was going to say, yeah. As a driver. A lot so cheaper a than the set of tires. Right. So a small <laughs> fee, uh, very reasonable. Now let's talk about this past Friday night. So Teddy Hodgson winning that first event uh, a couple of weeks ago, and then this past Friday night they were back on track for round two, back on their YouTube channel. A little bit of a different format uh, for this week. Their initial format in week one was just strictly Stafford drivers involved. Their week two format, a tick different to the point where on Wednesday night, a couple nights before the main event, they had qualifying races and a feature that allowed race fans to get in the event. Uh, and they took the top five from that feature and advanced them right to the main event. So some of the race fans had the opportunity uh, to hop in and try to qualify to compete against guys at Stafford in real life. Uh, and, and in the end, there was five drivers that made it, Matthew Kimball being one of them. He's a racer uh, up in New Hampshire. Yeah. And in the end, he gets to Friday night. Fast forward, he wins the main event on Friday night in a thrilling finish. If you hadn't had a chance, I really suggest uh, you take a look at their YouTube channel, uh, round two of their iRacing series. A fantastic battle right down to the final corner. Troy Talman 
trying to hang on out front with Dylan Izzo. Those two guys battled back and forth at the end of the race. Two more upcoming stars sure. uh, in the modified community. Yep. And then in turn three on the final lap, I can't describe it any other way. Mike Christopher Jr. gets into the back uh, of one of Izzo. He gets into Talman. They slide up the track and near the wall, into the wall. And Mike Christopher Jr. goes on to cross the line first. However, remember that race control in real life. That race <laughs> control was on hand uh, Friday night in the virtual world, and they penalized Christopher uh, for his contact. So Kimball, who finished second across the line, wins the race. Something we see in real life, too. It's very similar yep. to something we see at the short track. But for Matthew Kimball, a great opportunity for him to showcase himself coming from that Wednesday night qualifying race, getting to Friday night, getting to the final lap in the top five, and winning. Uh, and again, a great opportunity for these drivers to showcase that the throwing action you see on a Friday night and the bumping and banging can still happen on iRacing. The only difference, Tom, you don't have to fix the cars at the end of the night. <laughs> well, and that makes some of them probably a little braver than they would be actually on the racetrack. Um, and then that's when you've got to get the naughty nose stick out and, uh, you know, and, and throw some penalties. But, uh, yeah, uh, great racing. And, again, as you say, a great opportunity for Kimball to have a little bit of the spotlight. And, uh, again, just a, a, a fun thing to do with your fan base and uh, something that uh, allows the drivers to connect with the fans and have a good time. Um, and and uh, so good for that. What about Seekonk? What's go- what went on over there? Yeah, so Seekonk running their first in their road trip tour um, this past Thursday night on Speed51.com. A little bit different than Stafford. Stafford airing it on their YouTube channel with some help uh, from a broadcaster, Seekonk, going the route of Speed51, who's really become the the centric uh, iRacing broadcast platform for short track racing uh, in the middle of this pandemic. So Seekonk having a road trip tour, eight races going to be spread throughout the summer, the champion in October, uh, the championship race in the middle of October, in the middle of the week. Seacock's done a couple of cool things with this. Number one, they're doing the same thing Stafford doing, giving their fans and their drivers a chance to uh, have a competitive race. Number two, they're going to honor a couple of the top finishers in the point fund for this iRacing series at their banquet uh, next year. So they're really taking this to the next level and take this iRacing series and put it right up there with some of their other divisions on a weekly basis and give them the opportunity to be celebrated uh, at the banquet and with a point fund, uh, which I don't think we've seen other tracks give that kind of capability to some of the competitors. So I no. think that's also a great opportunity for some of these guys that some of the guys specifically that I race all the time and maybe somebody that's going to hop on there and not uh, have any experience and still be able to get to the front and get up front at the banquet. Yeah, I think, again, I think the more that you can sort of tie that to what's going on and make it a part of your your motorsports program as a racetrack or even a series, I think the better, because again, right now there is no other racing. You're not on the track, but also it gives some other folks a chance to be involved and it gives the fans another way to connect to you as a business and as a, you know, as a brand, as a facility uh, that, that obviously is not very costly for you as a facility to 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 do this sort of thing and it gives some local companies an opportunity to still get in front of some of the fans and um i think it's great and i love what seekonk's doing and the, the local companies that you mentioned have really stepped up yeah uh, they've got a contingency program that's come together uh more than 300 dollars given out contingency platform for the first event this past thursday night plus they had a sponsor come on board helger south coast power equipment 10, 20 minutes from the track uh, in the local area, and they sponsored a $300 purse to give out to the top five. Uh, some of that money going towards that season-ending point fund that I mentioned, they're building that up uh, to give these drivers a chance to win some money in the championship uh, for the iRacing series. But let's get to the race action. What kind of happened? So they qualified on Wednesday night, uh, and they set a field of 27 starters to take the green flag out of 45 competitors, so 18 cars going home. Uh, another cool thing they're doing, they've given the drivers an opportunity to run a B-Main non-qualifiers race. So if they don't qualify, they're running a 100-lap B-Main. The regular feature is 150. They're giving the non-qualified cars a chance to still run a 100-lap race, which is pretty cool uh, sure. that they're still getting the opportunity to run some racing action. In the race, 150 laps, Ryan Kuhn, a known racer, leading early, contact from behind. He goes spinning. 
drops to the tail of the field, recovers back up into the top five before the end. But this one may be a little bit of a shocker to some people. Brandon Wilkinson taking down the win. He's never driven a real race car in his life. However, he has a very important job at Seacon and on the Modified Tour when he spots uh, for many of these drivers. He's on the horn letting them know when there's a crash, letting them know when they're clear or not clear, giving them lap times, giving them input on how other competitors are driving. So we saw a spotter take down the win uh, in the inaugural race of this road trip tour. Second place, Richard Reagan. He's a crew member, a mechanic out of one of the cars. So he comes home second. And then Ryan Doucette, a Legends car competitor at Seekonk third. So a good mix here. Stafford, the winner the last couple of weeks, a real race car driver. At Seekonk, this winner, the top two this past week, mechanic and a spotter. I mean, that's an interesting <laughs> development to the whole iRacing thing. Well, again, it's different on the sim. Not all drivers are you know, are going to be equally talented on the sim because they haven't had the experience. And you get some other folks who spend a lot of time on the sim, um, you know, are not going to climb in a real race car and go beat the drivers, but they can certainly do it on the sim. And that's what we're seeing. And again, that's fun because as a fan, you know, it gives you a chance to to see a little bit of an underdog uh, story and, you know, everybody gets to sort of have a good time and, and you know, and somebody else gets a little bit of the uh, the glory, so to speak. And again, what other sport can you do a competition where the the fans of the sport can compete on an equal or sometimes even more um you might say talented footing, uh, more capable footing than the drivers themselves or the athletes themselves. Uh, and so that's great. Seekonk is uh, definitely doing well with, with their league, and uh, I know that's going to continue. And it's kind of fun that, you know, I feel like in a way they're sort of the uh, the chargers of the racing world right now because, you know, they, they actually don't have a home stadium on, on the sim, so you got to go race at other tracks, which – to me, again, even adds another level of fun because, obviously, um, not all of these guys are f- familiar with the sim, let alone the tracks that they're racing on. And so um, it just uh, means that you never know from week to week who's going to end up coming to the front. So that's that's pretty yeah. cool. And that gives an opportunity uh, to talk about their second race coming up April the 30th. So we get a little bit of time in between races. Their first race at the Lanier Raceplex, a uh, familiar track to many that yep. have uh, been Georgia. around for a little bit and watched some cup races there years ago. Their next stop on tour, April 30th, at the Southern National Motorsports Park uh, down near you. So yeah. a good opportunity for these drivers. Drivers, they hit a couple different racetracks. And, again, their registration already open for that second race. They take uh, a, a cap at registration somewhere around 60 competitors, and they hit that cap uh, in that first event. So – uh, we'll see what happens for their third uh, third official race, their second points race. They did run a non-points event at Oxford uh, to kind of kick off the iRacing Tour a couple weeks ago and now getting ready for their second points event. We've talked about iRacing uh, being a major topic on the podcast for obvious reasons, uh, but a couple real-life updates, Tom, before uh, we end what's going to be a little bit of a short and mainly modified uh, for this week because of the current situation going on. We were talking off the air uh, before we hit the record button about the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour uh, and their schedule for 2020. We all know that the first three races postponed, South Boston, Thompson's Icebreaker, and Stafford's Napa Springs Sizzler all postponed uh, because of the COVID pandemic. And an update from last week where we talked on air about, you know, what was going to happen with Martinsville. You know, we had heard. Uh, I had heard through some sources that Martinsville was definitely going to be postponed. I'm still hearing the same uh, for the modified tour, but no official announcement yet from NASCAR as we sit here a little under a month now, 24, 25, 26 days away from what's scheduled to be that first race at Martinsville. But just want to reiterate, they haven't changed any of the schedule. They have not inserted any of these dates uh, back into the schedule, though Thompson and Stafford have come out themselves as racetracks and said when these races are going to run. NASCAR is shying away from confirming uh, their new schedule for 2020. Simply, I think, Tom, just because they don't really know what's going to happen quite yet. Well, they don't. And again, you when, if you're NASCAR, you have to consider from the Cup Series on down, and you have to look at when every state and every sort of local area's uh, lockdowns end and watch, obviously, what's going on with the virus and the stats and all of that. Um, it's a pretty complex 
issue right now that NASCAR has. And I'm suspect that the reason that they haven't canceled Martinsville as yet, you know, we as fans look at this and say, well, shoot, um, Virginia has a stay at home till June 10th right now. And North Carolina has one. We have one here till April 30th. You know, logically, you would say, well, why haven't they? Well, because they haven't. I don't think they're 100% sure that Virginia is going to be closed that long, number one. But then number two, even if they aren't, you know, can we get these teams there and can we have a mass gathering? And there's a lot of sort of conflicting information being thrown around back and forth. So I think NASCAR is just trying to sort of sit and wait until they have some definite criteria and definite information of what they can and can't do to decide, you know, on, on how they're going to proceed. And I think they, I'm sure they have, you know, plan A, plan B, and probably plan C. But, you know, right now, obviously, we're not on that need-to-know list. And there's still too much in flux for them to be able to be sure of what their options actually are. So it's a lot when you're sitting in Daytona Beach right now and you've got, you know, four or five different touring series to worry about, um, you know, including ARCA, for that matter. Um, and in each of these series run in different states at different times and all of that, it's a mess. And, you know, I, I, I've said it a few times, I would not want to be the person in charge of all that because right now there's far more ways to lose than there are to win. I feel like still. So until, you know, for another couple of weeks, I'm not sure we're going to hear too much. Um, and we're just all going to have to kind of, sit and wait but i would still say that i don't like martinsville's chances on the 9th of may but 8th or 9th or both days i guess if you want to look at it from uh, that two race standpoint of the tour and the cup race i don't really like the chances but that's just me saying that i'm looking at a set of logical <laughs> factors that you know nascar probably has a whole other set that they've been told that i haven't been told so you know we all just have to sit and wait and um Thankfully, we can enjoy some iRacing and some radio shows. And, you know, we're having a good time on our shows on Race Chaser, just, uh, you know, talking to different drivers and different people from the sport and really getting to know them a little bit and letting the, the listeners get to know them in a way that, you know, probably wouldn't happen as much if we were spending half the show talking about race results. So, um, you know, it's it's kind of given a different perspective even to how we we do our radio shows. And, you know, this one included, we, we were enjoying bringing you the different driver interviews. We're going to try to do more of them, obviously, as we go forward. Um, and, you know, who knows? It's really a crazy deal. Um, so no changes, really, as far as the, the modified tour. But so far, you're, you're telling me, Kyle, that the Tri-Track Act and Pass doubleheader is, or Act and Pass event is still on for the 9th of May. Again, you know, lots of factors in play that could affect that, that, that just aren't known fully yet, and a lot of time for things to change. Right, and that's the the general gist. Uh, that was my next point. The Act Pass uh, doubleheader, the schedule that the New Hampshire Motor Speedway was originally scheduled for April 18th, which would be this coming weekend. Right. That's been postponed. They moved it to May 8, 9. They're still planning to run it with the street stocks and the mini stocks there. A little bit of confusion from some people in the community. I'm here to clear that uh, clear that for you. TriTrack was not sanctioning the modified race as part of that event. It was sanctioned by Pass as the promoter of the event. But TriTrack's officials were going to officiate the event. They were going to be the ones running the tech, the officiating, the calls, etc. It was not a TriTrack specialized event. With that being said, since New Hampshire now has rebooked, TriTrack has also rebooked their event at Manadnock Speedway, and those two events are now on the same day. So mm. across different parts of the state, two events in the same day and that could create a little bit of an interesting situation for race fans if that happens well yeah i mean the fact that they're in the same state would lead you to believe that if something happens to one it also happens to the other so you know you've got you know again there's a lot to be decided here it's only the 13th of april as we record this show um it'll come out on the 14th on tuesday night but um there's a lot a lot of time yet for things to be updated and clarified and so uh again it, it's it, we're all just kind of in a wait and see mode and we try to 
trying to give you the best information that we can based on what we're hearing each week on this show. Uh, and, you know, hopefully we'll we'll start to see a sort of uniform shift in this whole situation in the country fairly soon to where, you know, maybe we can at least get to a point where we can say by this date, a majority of things should start to happen where we can start leaning toward that certain date and preparing for it. Um, Early May seems a bit of a stretch, but again, who knows? I mean, we don't know what's going to happen here. Uh, so I don't know, Kyle. We'll, uh, we'll obviously do our best to keep everybody informed and uh, look forward to hearing from uh, uh, another featured driver on next week's show. And also, uh, again, just updating on everybody on the iRace action, but also, uh, uh, as we know it, the best that we can, what's going on uh, in real life here with uh, everybody reopening. Yeah, and that's going to be an interesting uh, – we're, we're going to have a good time over the next couple of weeks here as we get into May. I think by the end of April we'll have a, a pretty good idea of what's coming um, in the near future. But, yeah, uh, next week we'll chat with another driver at one of these upcoming tracks. Last couple of weeks we've talked to a couple of uh, Stafford drivers. Uh, and as we record this podcast, it's now noontime uh, in the East Coast, and you can hear – the beloved bird clock uh, that sits near my desk <laughs> that is playing the sounds of a pelican this afternoon uh, to welcome us to noontime. So, uh, yeah, going to be an interesting couple weeks here. I think going to learn a lot uh, by the end of the month of, of where our future uh, is going to look like uh, as far as the racing community. Yeah. Hopefully, for our sake, the future is a lot of race cars on the track. Uh, and I've been seeing on Facebook, and we encourage you to share those photos, those videos of your race cars, Specifically, what I like to hear is the speed shots of race cars, whether it be hitting the middle of turn one at speed or even something just as simple as in your garage, a modified car running. That motor running uh, is, is kind of what I think us race fans need right about now. Uh, yeah. So looking forward to uh, chatting again next week. Uh, great to talk to Teddy earlier uh, in the program yep. and look forward to talking to another one of our rising drivers next week maybe maybe more of a veteran next week see if we can get somebody that's been around a little bit longer and, and kind of get their perspective something we haven't uh really done is talk much about this covid pandemic with some of these drivers and that's something in the future we'll look into doing seeing how maybe their personal life might be affected with their job uh some of these drivers run their own company how yep. is that kind of working we heard timmy salamito a couple of weeks ago talk about how his graphic business is kind of picking up the pace in the middle of a pandemic because people have time to get their race car wrap. Uh, but I know some of the other drivers not really uh, looking uh, yeah. to see what happens with their job. So looking forward to it. Uh, look forward to catching up with all of you again uh, in the near future. And uh, every clock does need a cuckoo. So Kyle's just uh, woke up and talked to us for a little bit there. And uh, we appreciate uh, being able to chat with Kyle. We'll uh, talk more with Kyle Susan next week. So for Kyle, uh, I'm Tom Baker. Thank you all for listening. Please share the show. Let all your friends know about it so we can build the audience here. We're trying to uh, make this party every, that we put on every week here as big as we can and have as much fun as we can and try and keep things a little bit bit on the lighter side so that um you know it's just sort of an escape from everything else that we're dealing with on a daily basis especially in this period of time we hope that all of you are safe and following proper guidelines and we look forward to being back next week for another episode of mainly modifieds until then for kyle souza i'm tom baker be safe everybody have a great week so long You've been listening to Mainly Modifieds, the show where ground pounders and northeast speed freaks come to get their radio fix on. The show is available on demand by searching Race Chaser Radio on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Music, and most other major podcast platforms. Visit RaceChaserMedia.com for more unique motorsports stories and radio content. And follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.